You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to another fabulous episode of Dear Multi-Hyphenate. I am your host, Michael Kushner. And as always, I'm so excited to be bringing you new stories and insight of the art of multi-hyphenating in the theater. Thanks, as always, to Broadway Podcast Network. You're all amazing. And please, if you are uh, a new listener or you are a, um, a devoted listener, please follow on Instagram at the Michael Kushner or at Dear Multi-Hyphenate and rate, subscribe, comment, share with your friends, your family, whoever, your grinder hookup. I don't know. Just uh, get the word out there. And because um, I, I love telling these stories and I love having these interviews and I love hearing from you about the joy that it brings you, the listener and the insight that it brings you and the inspiration it brings you. So, so please, would you do that for me? Am I going am I going nuts who knows. Um anyway, I am so excited to share this interview with you, but first, I am doing a sale at Michael Kushner Photography, a summer sale uh from now, which when I'm recording this, we're releasing this episode May 16th, 2022 to Friday what is that? May 16th, 17th, 18th, 19th, 20th. Friday, May 20th. I'm doing a week-long summer sale, $100 off if you book by yourself, $150 off if you book with a friend. Um, it's just going to be really fun to have you in the studio. And there's no password, no code needed. Just sign up right now, www.michaelkushnerphotography.com and submit a form through there. Okay, let's go on with this episode I am so excited to have Melissa Rose Hirsch, a longtime friend on the podcast. She is a doula. She is a performer. She is a blog writer, and she is a songwriter. She has a musical with her writing partner, Chris Halinka, called Bradical and the Pink Socks, which is also written by Preston Max Allen. Melissa has sung Back Up for Fish at Madison Square Garden, and she runs the blog Charged Thoughts on Instagram, where she explores the human experience as romantically as possible and reminds her readers through love, loss, healing, and feeling that we are all the same after all. I 
uh, I wanted to call this episode that same thing, you know, not only to tie in her brand so that like when people are Googling her, uh, you know, we are all the same after all happens, you know, comes up, shows up under her name, but because it was also a theme in this, in this episode. So, uh, I really hope you take something away with it. I think it's, this conversation is absolutely beautiful bringing in doula ship doula doula i i don't know being a doula into theater uh creation and multi-hyphenating so i hope you enjoy again follow comment subscribe like do all that stuff and uh enjoy hello melissa rose hirsch hello how are you i am tired we were just connecting before we recorded about um being a COVID long hauler and that I walked a hundred blocks today, the first amount of exercise that I've done in about <laughs> two years since the moment I discovered, I was like, uh oh, something doesn't feel very good in my very body. Very proud of you. Thank it's a you. Good Friday for that. It is oh Friday the thirteenth. <gasps> yes, it is. That is very witchy, which I love. It is very witchy. And in the Jewish religion, the, the number thirteen is actually very lucky it's Mm -hmm. it's good and you are also very witchy as am i (laughs) yes so this is perfect that we're recording this on friday the 13th it is kismet it is and beshert which is Uh a word i love i love beshert it's meant to be so how are you on this day what's up what's going on you know I had a beautiful Friday. I taught some voice lessons, took a yoga class, and it's a bit cloudy, but that's okay because I know that the sun is coming. So I'm a summer baby, as I know you are too, July. Um, And so I'm always happiest when I know that the flowers are just blooming and we have a lot of fun and a lot of rebirth in front of us. I'm going to make a... I, I want to hang out with you and your group of friends so much. I think you are all, you're all so wonderful. I'm going to make it a, a point to do so this summer. Yeah, really. yeah, honestly, same. Let's just like make the circle bigger and fuller. And it's, you know what I love, I will say about friends in New York City and being artists in New York City is that I wouldn't be half of the artist, half of the person, half of the dreamer or uh, daredevil that I am without a group of people around me who really encourage and love and say yes. Like you have a crazy, insane idea about this new project, yes, do it. And I think that is actually really one of the most important things in this city and especially in this industry is having a community of people who say yes to you. So shout out to all those folks. I feel very grateful. That's beautiful. I think I get a lot of questions of like, how do you how do you self-start? How do you start self-producing? And I think a lot of it is a testament to your ensemble and the community that you build because Absolutely. You know, when you're having a drink or smoking or doing whatever, and you just say this, like, dude, like I've always wanted to do this. And someone listens and goes, then let's fucking do it. Absolutely. You know, when, um, I've been a performer for as long as I can remember, but I was at a party once telling a silly, silly little story that me and Christopher Holinka, my writing partner and I decided we wanted to write a children's book. And we'd always been passionate about it. And we got really fucked up one night in college and we we're like, let's write a children's <laughs> book. And it's actually based on a lot of some true experiences in Chris's life. And I was at a party with Sammy Lopez, who now is 
my one of my brilliant producers and I told him this little story and he looked at me with red solo cups in our hands and he said let's make that into a musical and fast forward a few years later um we're still doing it so it is so true tell your crazy ideas to your friends when you're drunk and you never know why do you think things don't happen like I feel like there's some conversations that that are like that and then there's never a follow through so what um, why do you think things uh, don't happen? Um, that's a beautiful question because I think I have a universal answer, at least in my experience. I've had a lot of beautiful projects come to fruition. I've also had a lot of beautiful projects not come to fruition. And I believe that a lot of it has to do with timing. And I also believe that a lot of it has to do with where we are as artists in our plot line of our big book of life. And my rule with myself is that I never put anything to bed. If it doesn't come forward today, then I don't say, oh, this is horrible and it got rejected and I'm never gonna do it again. My rule is I just put it back in the journal. And for example, if I was out with somebody and I got a spark of, oh, that reminds me of this thing, maybe that's the right person, right? Like there are a million people in our life that we have these destined soul contracts to create with or to fall in love with or to make friends with or whatever. So I really do believe in the universe's grand timing and also paired with a splash of belief in speaking your art and speaking your heart, really. I think we have to, as artists, understand like we are much more in tune with the universe and uh impulse than we think mm. i think if we don't get a good vibe about something that is our that is the universe and the ancestors and the Absolutely. and our our uh our psyche that we have to trust we have i feel like we don't have to trust and even if, if we don't normally trust it and i feel like even saying yes to things that maybe not feel the best there's still something to learn in that there's always right. a lesson in a collaborative right and you know what I always love about you is your whole thing with Titanic yeah and how you really and I believe it because you believe it right yeah and that to me is like that inner knowing of things that don't really make sense I am someone who said I never wrote music Ever. It was just not something that ever happened in my life. I was singing other people's music. I would try to write music, but I was then 26 and I met one person and I had one beautiful night with a stranger. And ever since then, for the past three and a half years, music writing is something that is so a part of my life, is feels like a destined purpose. And I think that essentially kind of like your Titanic thing, right? Like these things that we know to be true, but there's like no real reason why it happened. It just unfolds. And I really, it is romantic to talk about the muse in that way, but you know, I'm a romantic kind of gal. And I think same, it's more beautiful to believe that way. Same here. And and hearing you open to that, and I, I'm getting the chills thinking about that because like I was with a, I was with someone at an event and um, they were a producer or some uh, something. I don't even remember what they were, but uh, you know, at those events where it's a bunch of industry people and it is our job to net weave 
chapter yeah, ten, love that. Chapter 10 of Dear, of How to Be a Multi-Hyphen. Yes, NetWeave. I love that. NetWeave, because I think we all hate, uh, I don't mean to say we all do. I don't mean to be a generalization. It doesn't mean to be a generalization, but many people go, how do you network? I hate mm. networking. And I think when we think of it like it's a, we're solving each other's problems and we're there, we're there. And so at these sort of net weaving opportunities, I think what happens is for me, I'm very open and I will talk about my Titanic past life experience very openly. Right. But it is also a gauge to see who's on my level. Mm-hmm. So I brought it up with this producer that I was like, oh, I kind of like the work that they've done. I like, um, you know, we're, we're talking here. I wonder if this is a person. So someone I think asked like what my tattoo is on my right arm. And I said the Titanic, I, I'm very connected with it past life. And she looked at me <laughs> as if I, not to quote the movie Titanic, but was that like, I was a bug that needed to be squashed. <laughs> like she just did not get it. And in turn, I went, you're not my, you're not my creative people. Right. Well, and I love that. And I don't like the word test, but it is true of anything in your professional life. Like I want to make art with people who want to make the kind of art that I want to make, not because that's exclusive, but that's because we're all going to get the best result if we can speak the same language. If you and I are speaking two different languages, how are we gonna produce a piece of art that's gonna speak its own language to audiences? So I love that you do that. And honey, I speak your Titanic. I love that about you. And I and I really, I don't think it's cute. I think it's real. I really do. So thank you for being so open about that. Thank you for saying that. Now, what to you is a multi-hyphenate? A multi-hyphenate to me, is a person who has a lot of creativity inside of them and is unafraid to express it out of multiple pores. I'm obsessed with that. That's, I love asking that question to people because it's so weird, like writing a book about something because it's like, who allowed me to come up with the rules? And, and not only that, but like, it's art. So like, we should be um, challenging each other and we should be bringing, if we identify as multi-hyphenates, we should be challenging each other and we should be saying like, this is how I see multi-hyphenating. So I love to hear how my guests and my friends view multi-hyphenating. And it's basically, that's what you just said is basically how I view it as well. And yeah. And um you said something when we were talking about, like, you were like, I, I'm a multi-hyphenate, but I also do other things that, and I was, but when you started talking about that, I was like, no, that's such a part of your, in my opinion, it's up to you to, you know, categorize it however you want. But in my opinion, those things are also a part of your multi-hyphenate experience because you have justified it and turned it into a theatrical a whole, a holistic theatrical experience yeah. in my, in my eyes, watching you blossom as an artist. Yeah. You know, thank you for saying that. Um, for people listening, I am recently a, a birth doula, which is something that I've wa- wanted to do for my entire life. And I always thought, oh, when I'm done performing, when I'm done doing all this, then I'll do that, which is essentially you're there to support emotionally 
um, a birthing person while they're giving birth. And I decided to get that certification in the pandemic when a lot of things got slower, but my passions came really forward to the front of my mind. Like I think it did for a lot of us. But the reason that I realize now after seeing birth and after being around birthing people is birth is art. Birth is theatrical. Birth is a nothing to a something. Birth is a ceremony. Birth is a transformation. So my art, my writing, my um, my songwriting, my blog writing, my performing, my acting has gotten so much wider ever since I've witnessed birth because isn't that what we do as actors? We breathe life into people. Isn't that what we do as writers? We, we breathe life into characters that never existed before. Okay. So I have, yeah, you know, I have many babies out there in the world. Although I've never physically yet pushed a child out of me, I have birthed. I really have birthed and I think multi-hyphenates are some of my favorite type of people because we are birthing people. Take that for a sound bite for my Instagram. <laughs> that is so beautiful. And it's like, I think it's up to the artist to of course come up with their hyphens, but I have so many artists that go, I am an actor, producer, educator, mother, and at first I'm like, because I, I was so heady about figuring out what <laughs> this is, I went, you can't put, you can't put mother in the hyphen because it's not, but then at the same time, it's like, one, who am I to fucking decide that? Right. Two, it is like, that is to be able to exist as a life giver in that way is so beautiful and oftentimes I feel like dominates the choices that is made as an artist and I feel right. like that bleeds into the why and understanding why <laughs> someone does that it is so I, I love how you put that I think that is so wonderful and another point for me to go like I can I can lead us in conversation about what a multi-hyphenate is but it's up for us to figure out how we identify as one and the rules that the rules that apply to us and breaking right. and rules are also made to be broken too. Mm, love that. Yeah. I mean, the day I decided to call myself the, the term that I first found was artist because that felt like an umbrella to me. Yeah. Um, and the day I found that was the most freeing day of my whole life because I was for a long time, performing as a musical theater actor and getting success and loving it. But there was this hole that I felt I had to squeeze myself into. And I felt so much more than that. I felt like, how could I see myself as who I really am? Because for a long time, I am a woman who has curves. I am a woman who presents a very specific way. And I love my body and I love how I present, but from casting's end, they were letting me know who I was because of what I looked like. And that was something that in my mid twenties, I really had to sit with because I started becoming that like party girl that like all these people saw me as. And I was like, is this actually me? So I had this massive professional heartbreak around 26 where I didn't go forward with a show that I had been workshopping forever. A show that again, felt like I put 
I birthed a character, felt like I breathed a lot of air into it. And it was this massive, massive heartbreak. And in that moment, I started creating my own writing and I started creating my own music really out of, I had to, I was sad. So a lot of it started pouring out of me, but I'm also a massive believer in that. Like your heartbreak is your place to plant in the soil and your heartbreak is where that Phoenix happens. So once I got rejected, it really was redirection for me. And it was the best thing that ever happened to me was to not go forward on a path of people telling me who I was from behind a table. And instead, me telling the world, this is who I am as an artist. And from that time period in my life, I have called in all the things that I want to be doing and all the things that I want to be surrounded by. And that's been something that has been really healing, truly just healing for me as, a, as an artist and a multi-hyphenate. There's so much juiciness in there. I have a great, <laughs> I have, I have a great story for you about heartbreak. Um, I have a lot of almosts in this industry, a lot of almost Broadway debuts, a lot of almost this, a lot of almost whatever. So many lovely almosts. Same. We love an almost. <laughs> and so um, here's a great story. So it was right when Remy and I started, my fiance, Remy and I started dating and I was in a reading of a new musical that basically was guaranteed, all but guaranteed, <laughs> uh, to go off Broadway for a for a run. And I had just we had just started dating, so I so the reading happened. I think three months within me moving to the city, and I was like, "Oh, I'm a star. I'm going to be amazing. I'm <laughs> I've I'm, made it. <laughs> I've made it." And I was the lead of the musical, and I was literally like, "I'm I'm going to be okay." So we all were a little excited about this and Remy and I started dating and we got, we started getting the auditions for the off-Broadway run. And um, I said to Remy, I said, it would be so great if you did this with us, like audition for the show with us. We'll all be in it together. It will be so fun. As if, <laughs> as if I've, any say in that right. moment as a producer or casting director but I was you know 22 23 I was young and green <laughs> and so I emailed the coordinator of the auditions they got Remy an audition I don't book the show and Remy booked my role no no yeah. That is the universe playing a funny trick on you. Rich. And <laughs> what's so funny about it is it wound up not being an off-Broadway run. It was like the it was like the it was like a 29-hour reading it wound up becoming and then Remy didn't move on with the show either because I think they went with like a 13-year-old. But like right. it's so funny what we have to deal the type of heartbreak that we have to deal with in this industry. And the also stu stupidity that goes into it because like they knew we were together. Right, right. And invested in our relationship too. And then we're like, bye. <laughs> well, you know what? Kudos to you for your relationship because that would have been hard for me. <laughs> well, it was hard and we had a conversation about it, you know, and it, it triggered a lot of what 
do we do to avoid this? Right. Not only, even if it wasn't my, my soon to be fiance, how do I avoid that heartbreak that you're talking about in the industry? And I think that was when multi-hyphenating for me came to be because I was like, I am going to control my narrative. I am going to create the work that means the most to me. And if that work means the most to me, then I will one, be doing my best and two, producing a product that affects and that um, changes because I don't know why we as artists are so focused on sounding the same. I don't know why, because all of the people that have become stars that right. have had careers, they all have their their own stamp, their own points of views on their artistry. And that's what makes them succeed. Right. So anyway, that's it. But I no, I love that story. And I hear you so like so loudly in my heart because a big um like phrase came into my head two years ago at the very start of the pandemic I think people were asking me to do like some zoom readings and things when we weren't doing that I was like crouching over my piano and doing little zoom song cycles and I had this moment where I said to myself if I am going to be a vessel for art I would like to be a vessel for my own art and this huge thing of legacy started popping into my head of what do I want to leave behind and all these things. And it's from that and also from a beautiful heartbreak that I started uh, my blog on Instagram, Charged Thoughts, which Charged Thoughts has been one of the most beautifully fulfilling things in my entire life because it is just the first time in my whole life where I started focusing mostly on my story and not the story of my romantic partners, my professional partners, my everything. And this is why I feel passionate about us taking a step back and zooming out on the book of our life and not really giving a shit about who cares what somebody else is reading. How are you telling your story? Because we're all going to be gone one day. And I think about the things that you're leaving behind. And I think about the things that I'm leaving behind. And I'm really proud of them. And I think before I decided to spread my wings and and show myself as a multi-hyphenated artist, I wasn't, I, I could say that in a way. I absolutely could. But there was, it was like one fourth of who I am. Mm. And so I, I think for a lot of people, if they're, called to something more whatever that something more is if you're going to be a vessel for art which is a beautiful privilege and gift to be a vessel for any person's art make sure that you're using your body your sacred body to be that vessel for art that you really fucking believe in so speaking of sacred body how does charged thoughts and being a doula and being a performer and a writer, how does that all sort of circumnavigate each other? Like what is sort of the common denominator of those things? Like we talked about breathing life into those, but like, what do you think is sort of the, the thing that gels it all together? I love this question. And I think maybe you're the first person who ever asked it to me. So thank you. 
Um, I think my big umbrella thesis for who I am as a human and who I am as a doula and an artist and everything that I do is that I'm interested in um, showing and presenting to the world that we are all the same. Mm. I see the world in this romantic way and I, as an artist, can find small things to see in the world that are so ordinary. And I didn't know that I was like um, in a small percentage of people who do that. And when I started writing about these little moments, these tiny little ordinary moments that are actually massive and sacred for our life experience, I started realizing that the tagline of my blog is we are all the same after all. And that's something that I feel politically. That's something that I feel everywhere in the world, right? It's a really powerful statement. If we can all have empathy to know that we are all the same after all. And, you know, going back to birth, which has truly taught me everything that I know. um, It is this thing that happens every single day. Just like people fall in love every day, people break up every day, people walk the reservoir around Manhattan every day. These little small moments that actually change your life um, is the thing that I'm the most interested as an artist about experiencing, about writing, um, and about living in my everyday life. That is so beautiful. And I love that you brought up, we are all the same after all, because, and you know, when you said politically, because it's like, you are sort of, it's so interesting what we're talking about birth and giving birth and we're in this political uh, uprising nightmare nightmare (laughs) regarding Roe v. Wade and the right to choose and a woman to decide what is right for her body. Yeah, you know, I can say firsthand as a doula that it is fucking hard what you have to do to bring a person into this world. And that is a choice to go through that experience alone, let alone everything that happens after birth. So I am a doula who clearly is very loudly pro-choice. And I think it's insane to be someone, well, actually, I don't think it's insane. It's exactly what it should be that I am fascinated by birth and I will protect the right to birth and I will protect the right to not birth with for all of me. That is that's so beautiful. And this is I'm gonna what I'm gonna say is someone that is an outsider that does not have female re- reproductive organs and someone that does want to one day be able to give birth because I think it is such a beautiful thing. And I'm very I'm it's a it's a deep seated um, sadness that I have that I actually can't give birth. But mm. um, I think just as you're saying that birth is hard, that the choice to not give birth is just as hard. And the fact that these white, straight congressmen and women are are approaching this as if it's just willy-nilly deciding right. to just have an abortion. It's that decision is difficult and it is hard and the option to have a safe and healthy and supportive abortion is what we're all fighting for. Correct. Correct. It's not, a, it's not a small thing that anybody goes through specifically someone who's never had to um, wait for a pregnancy test 
to turn. It's a, it's an insane experience. Those two minutes of your life. It's not something that any of us take um, lightly. And it is, I was talking to a lot of my girlfriends the other day about it. I was like, I've never gone to DC to March, but I will for this, you yeah. know, it's like one of those things that I feel fucking deep inside of me that I refuse to just sit back and as a birth worker too, specifically, you know, it's like something that I will absolutely march and scream about. This episode is brought to you by sax.com. At sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch, find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So I could safely say that I've not had a doula on this podcast. Cool. Um, so what is uh what is the process of becoming one? Oh this is this is a layered question. What is the process of becoming one? And in turn, how has that affected your processes of your other hyphens? Love this question. Um, I was so fortunate to train with Deborah Pascali Bonaro, who created um, the term orgasmic birthing, which sounds like it doesn't sound like two words that should go together, but sometimes it really can. Yes. Her, you know, her entire method is that we can bring pleasure and spirituality into birthing. Because if you think about it, like in order to have a baby, you have to have sex and you're using the same um, parts of your body. So it can be a beautifully pleasurable experience. Hard, certainly hard, but can be something that is lovely. Um, so I did a course with her. There's a lot of reading. There is um, a paper to write. And then you go on after you're certified, you do all the things, you go on and you start assisting birds. Um, and to go to your question about what it's helped me as an artist, the thing that birth has taught me the most is that life and death are truly just cousins. So uh, sisters, really, they're so close. There's one moment where you're in the birth canal and there's one moment where you're out. And it has taught me about what that means in all types of creation and how labor is exhausting and it's long and it's hard and you never, ever, ever know when it's gonna end, but that baby will come out. It's also taught me that uh, in most birds, there's a moment, specifically I'm talking about like unmedicated, there's a moment where the birthing person looks at either the midwife or the doctor or the doula and says, I cannot do this. And it is in that moment of surrender, usually when the baby comes right out, 
And that has just taught me so much about life and about art. So when I'm scribbling and I'm saying, nobody's picking out my work in that moment of surrender is maybe when that baby's going to come, that, that art baby. It really, I mean, I should probably write a book about this because I could just speak about how birth and art are connected in, in every way. That is so amazing. Isn't that fascinating? The second you give up is the second your body says, thank you. Let me just do what I do. <laughs> Get out of your head and let me take over. Yeah, it's a metaphor for life, isn't it? Damn, get out. my Virgo rising is like, I know, get out of your head. <laughs> That's amazing. Wait, am I a Virgo rising? Stop. Are you a Cancer Virgo rising too? I might be. Let me, I'm going I on I knew I loved you. Wait, I I'm, need to know. I'm going on CoStar right now. Hold on. Yes. This is oh. a hold that we need. You're a Virgo rising. Stop. <gasps> okay, honey, you are a Cancer moon as well. Are you okay? No. <laughs> No. I'm an Aries moon, so you know there's some fire in there. But yes, Cancer and Virgo rising. I love you. I'm obsessed. I knew that sounded familiar because that was a new discovery. My my best friend Ryan Mack, he is he's very into astrology. And so he'll send me like my readings and stuff like that. But I always just was like, I'm a cancer. And but that is sort of saying like I'm an I'm a performer, but like the Virgo yeah. rising is like, I'm a barrett tenor who specializes in vaudevillian type comedy. In, in astrological terms, we are multi-hyphenate, okay? Yes, literally, I'm obsessed. There we are, there we are, it's in the stars, I love that. I love that. So, okay, so Aries moon means you have like a fire in your- Yeah, it just means like, I love a party, like I love a good time. I'm all about, my favorite thing about the Aries is, I mean- ask my exes, it, she'd be wild sometimes. But my favorite thing about Aries is they are like, get shit done. That's, yes. And it's it's not surprising to me that you're a Virgo rising and you're writing a book and you run a podcast. Like we're type of people who like, we're gonna write it out and we're gonna do it and we're gonna do it meticulously and we're kind of perfectionist about it. So yes, except when we schedule a <laughs> podcast episode, we just need to like, just disclose like how the scheduling that, uh, I the the nightmare I put you through in getting no. us here. So for those of you that are listening, I um I'm not good at Google calendars. We're getting there. <laughs> we're getting there. So um we're here and we're recording it after many times Melissa uh confirmed with me and I said <laughs> that's funny. I'm in Guam. You I can't what? record today. Like I said to you in a text we are two cancers. It is a safe space. It's cozy. It's a warm space that we can make mistakes in. <laughs> it is. It is so, it is so cozy. Um, and speaking of cozy, you know, going back to your, uh, going back to our talk about environment, you know, I, I, I love the people that you have surrounded yourself with. I love, I, I, I love seeing you on Instagram and TikTok with the, with the women and the people that you have surrounded yourself with, because like, I think, you know, it's so important. It's so important for us to have a supportive uh, group yeah. that um, allows us to have these vulnerable conversations and these- Absolutely. You know, no Matt Roden says, my dear sweet Matt Roden, who happens to be, when I play gigs around New York of my own music, my guitarist, who oh. also happens to be my friend, who teaches me so much, who is a collaborator, right? 
he always says to me and reminds me every day that, you know, a rising tide lifts all ships. And mm. that's why I will always be happily in your, a ship in your tide. And anyone who I think and feel is like in our heart and has that connection to us, the better you do, the better I do, the better he does, the better she does, the better they do. So what we can do to support each other will only come back tenfold because like Matt says, a rising tide lifts all ships. That's so beautiful. Um, and also that kind of ties into being a doula, I feel, hmm. you know what I mean? I feel like yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, know. you know, I think that, um, and it's kind of like connected to my blog as well. I think like the way in which we act emotionally is the thing that ties us together because all those things that I, my Aries moon is not afraid to say on the internet and type about sex and relationships and heartbreak and pain and politics, all those things that I'm going to put on the internet, people are like, oh shit, you think about that too. And I'm like, yeah, we all do. So mm. same with birth, right? All these feelings that if I can support you emotionally, maybe that's the umbrella going back to your other question. If I can support you emotionally, I'm happiest. Oh, I love that. Um, that is, that's so beautiful. I, I also find that being a doula is theatrical all on its own. It is. Like you have the beginning, middle and end. It is, it's, it's creation, it's transformation. Isn't that what we watch? Isn't that what we want? What was your first experience like as assist? So have you, so you no longer assist, you just can do this on your own now? Oh no. Assisting meaning like assisting the birthing person. Yeah. Got it. I thought you meant like in your training, you had no, to no. assist a doula. No, I am brand new. And I am, uh, my very first birth was with my dear sweet friend, Kelly, Kelly Glenn, whose son is now five months old. Oh my goodness. He is perfect. Shout out Weaver. I love you with all my heart. So we um, had coffee. Yes, we did. And she was what? Nine months pregnant she was, she was like ready. Like, I think you were like talking about like, okay, in two days when you're, and I don't know how, I don't know how soon after that coffee date, but I what think was, it was probably five days later. What was that like for you? Like, what was the getting the call or the text? Like how, like run me through it. Well, you know, so it was, it was my first time too. So there was a lot of learning because we can never predict birth, right? It is live theater, truly. Yeah. Um, and Kelly was so strong and so brave and so go for it. She was game from day one, as was her husband, Carl, who was an amazing birth partner to her. And throughout all her labor, it is a story that I will protect because it is her beautiful story to tell. Uh, she was so strong and committed and centered. And she really showed me how animalistic we can be in our moments of high um pain and high intensity and high pleasure too you know after he safely thankfully arrived she showed me that we're animals and she showed me that our bodies can do miraculous things and her and her husband carl showed me what teamwork really looks like and being a third member to that team is and will really always be one of the honors of my life that's so beautiful and again in tying it to theatricality to make it even more of a multi-hyphenate experience. I think that that mindset and that experience, what that does, it is theater. It, 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 it helps us, I think, deal with rejection and right. deal with the pain of the industry. Right. And deal like, like when we are rejected, 
multi-hyphenates go, how do I still tell this story when, okay, I got rejected from this producer or, okay, that $50,000 fell through or that, you know, that offer, whatever it is. Right. Like, Honestly, I have it written on my mirror. Rejection is redirection. It really, really is. And you can never, ever know why or how something is a no, but when it's a no, trust that there is a yes next door. And, you know, that birth did not go how, if I were to write it out, how I thought would be the best birth for Kelly, it did not go that way because it's never going to go the way that we think it does. But we still got this person who was healthy and she is nailing motherhood and her birth is perfectly what her birth was meant to be just like our art is always going to land on the ears this podcast i hope whoever's listening it's landing on the ears of you it is divine it's supposed to land into the mm -hmm. ears of the person who it's meant to and my art and your art and your book and my blog and my songs and all these things right they're going to land on the people in due time and when they're supposed to and i really do believe that and i trust the muse deeply I have some really, I love that. I have some really deep, like deeply devoted listeners to Dear Multi-Hyphenate, which is, Yay. which is so lovely. And I, I, I can tell you that the people that I know listen to this podcast are going to be so excited to hear, um, so excited to hear your words, because I think, you know, what's so interesting about recording this podcast is like, we can always talk about boundaries. We could always talk about time management. We can always talk about failure, but there are so many other stories and so many other points of views and so many lessons that we learn from living life. Oh, speak. And putting that into the theater because we can't be human beings if we're so only connected to the theater. Like- right. I, I love the theater. It is my life. I've been in the industry 22 years. Like, I love it, please. But boy, do I love traveling and food and history and ghosts and, and, and learning about birth and the things that will make my photography and producing and performance, yada, yada, yeah, yada, better. Absolutely. And I think that like, I went to Marymount Manhattan College for musical theater, go Griffins. And I think that I talk a lot on their panel. It's one of the honors of my life talking to graduating seniors. So that's why this is exciting to me too, things like this. Because I think about who I was when I was 21, 22, graduating college. And I think about who I am now at 29, almost 30. And the amount of deaths and births that I've gone through as an artist, as a woman, as a person in New York City, I mean, it's, it's just kind of unbelievable. All that to say, the, there's a lot of moments in my life or my career in these past 10 years where I have felt like I hit a personal rock bottom. But my favorite thing about rock bottom is that it is a push off point for you. It's better than keeping yourself underwater. Hit that rock bottom so you can push off and you can swim back up to a brand new surface that you never knew existed before. And, you know, to what you were saying about all these little tiny things that make you, you, and that make me, me, make our art so much better. And the more life that you live, the more art that you can give, the more specifically you can tell people that 
we are all the same after mm -hmm. all. I think when a song touches your heart, it's not because the music is so beautiful or the songwriter is that profound. Those are all true, but the truth is it's touching something in you. That's why we get goosebumps because we said, oh my God, me too. I feel seen by that. So whatever you can do to connect to other people and collaborate, I think is the greatest gift that we can give each other as artists and as human beings. I love you. I'm, I, <laughs> I love think, you. I think we need to, we younger, newer artists need to hear your words and they have to start to approach artistry in that way because it opens us up to much more potential just than going, I want to be Roxy in Chicago. Like, that's cool. That's awesome. So cool. I hope you do. I hope you do. And I still have my dream roles. Right. What are you going to do in between? Right. And what are you going to do that has potential to affect and change? Why? Right. You are a living, breathing human being. You have the power to do that. Why not? Right. Um, I think I saw something on Instagram that was like, it was about Mrs. Doubtfire closing. And there was a comment that was like something about it, uh, something about, and it was interesting because it was, someone said socially responsible artistry which is a, a phrase I use a lot. So I'm like, are you listening to the podcast? Um, <laughs> but I bet they are. Someone said something about socially responsible artistry and someone responded saying, well, it doesn't always have to be that. It can be just fun. And I don't agree with that because you can have fun and learn. Like the producers, it's my favorite example because it is a, statement about Judaism, right. about recovery, about healing, mm. and about how wild this industry is. There are so many different lessons in the producers, right. but it's one of the funniest, most brilliant musicals in the world. And that's, I think, why it is so successful as opposed to other musical comedies. Right. Um, because there is something to learn and take away from it. There's a lesson. Exactly. And, you know, that is what I think we're all striving to see and to create is I've done my job. If you're walking out of the theater and you're thinking about something, you know, I remember Legally Blonde is one of my like top three, right? Hello. We need uh, a revival. Oh my God. Let's it's cast it right now. Who's oh, your L? Who's your go-to L? Oh my God. Like I need, can, can I be real? Like I want a black trans woman. I'm like ready for it to be brand new. I want a whole new take. But the thing about Legally Bond, I remember being like 15, like saying, oh my God, you guys are my like high school and but. getting a lot of beef for it being my favorite musical. And like, it's kind of how I feel about being a Swifty as well. People were like, you like Taylor Swift, right? And I had this like kind of shame when I was younger about mm -hmm. the things that I liked. Now when those two things specifically, Elle Woods and Legally Blonde, the musical that I listened to three million times in my youth, um, made me the woman that I am today. I can confidently say that because she is someone who took heartbreak and turned it into, alchemized it into something beautiful, which is literally like my whole thesis statement of life. And Taylor Swift is a, another one, right? Like who just 
writes about real experiences. So all those little things that we have like, oh, this is like this like kind of embarrassing thing that made me like rethink my life. That is not embarrassing. That is the beautiful part of you. And every art that makes us think is the only type of art I want to be seeing. And, um, you know, what? it doesn't need to only speak to me or only speak to you. If it speaks to one person, then it's, it's worth it. I think that's why Wicked is so important too, because like Genius. I have no, like I used to be uh, ashamed of loving Wicked as much as I do. Right, like a full fangirl, right? <laughs> full, full fangirl. Do you know, okay, so at Ithaca, we have very me day, very not me day, and very nobody day. And yeah. for very nobody day, you have to show up in black, um, gray, or white and be stripped of your isms and just be like oh, present. Oh, very Ithaca. Absolutely very Ithaca. love to see it. <laughs> and then for very not me day, um, you have to you have to show up for voice and movement as something that you is the complete opposite of you. So I showed up as a neo Nazi. <laughs> wow, yeah. this is Ithaca getting in it. I know. And then for very me day, they were like, you have to come as the absolute essence of you. Totally. And I head to toe, green witch hat dress just I was Elphaba and yeah. that's how deep-seated Wicked is for me yeah. Yeah. But, but what is so amazing about it was Wicked is a reflection of the Bush administration mm. and so you know then we had Obama which we were like happy happy ending great but now then we had Trump right and I, there's so many things in Wicked you know, give everyone an enemy. Right. Um, taking away voices, you know. Taking, yes, taking away voices, things like that. There's so many different things in Wicked that are political. Fake news, you know, when they're just like spilling lies about who she is. It's, it's you're right. It's so, so relevant. I mean, even Madame Marvel spilling right, lies. Right. She literally is like, yeah. this wicked way. You know, she's, her green skin is but an outer manifestorium of her wicked nature, whatever it is. And that's- I think I would make a great Madame Marvel one day. Honestly, that just hit me hard. I'm ready for it. I actually just feel like you would be so good in that show in general, in general, but like- One day, when the universe provides. Exactly. Um, The midwife. Yeah. <laughs> me the baby's coming <laughs> i see a nose that's literally me in real life wait kelsey i'm ready i did the research she did the research she's ready to live present and in the moment um you are amazing oh, and i'm so glad that we ha i'm so glad we had this time together <laughs> thank goodness thank oh we've got to stop we've got to stop no, you're amazing where can we find you on social media you can find me at Melissa Rose Hirsch or on my blog at charged.thoughts for all the juicy details. Yes. So um, TikTok is the same as Instagram. Yeah. Like that's Melissa great. Rose Hirsch. You are amazing. And I cannot wait for everyone to hear your incredible words of of love and wonder. I think you are such a special person. And Thank you so, so much for having me. I love this conversation. Of course, my love. Okay, have a good day and thanks all for listening. Yay! Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor, and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. 
part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise. 